Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. Welcome to the Retirement Clinic. We are in studio. We are live with the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist, Jeff Kowal, Marie McFarlane. Welcome back, Marie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Why do I start with Marie? Because she's, she's the prettiest she's one in the, the room. Oh, clearly. <laughs> no, Thank double. you. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How, How are, are you? you? Good. I'm doing so good. I'm not the prettiest, huh? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm glad you said that, Paul. But I am getting silver hair just like Jeff. So. No. No. You're <laughs> way am. too young. You're also, you are the youngest in the room by That's, far. Uh, and, and Marie's going to kick off the show, actually. Six mistakes that you can make. And we'll explain what that is in just a moment. A little background on the retirement clinic because we are live in studio. You can call. If you've got a question, if you've got a comment, anything about you and your retirement, or, or your spouse, Jeff, because that's what you guys do. Retirement is what you do. It's your niche. Absolutely. If you have $750,000 or more, are close to or already in retirement, or serious about your retirement planning, want some professional help from fiduciary advisors, those that always put your interests first, uh, give our office a call or go on thekowalway.com. Yeah, the website, thekowalway.com, and then access to all the social media platforms you'll find on there. They're on LinkedIn and, you know, all that good stuff. Twitter. I always forget the handles to all Facebook. that stuff. Facebook. Thank you, Marie. Facebook, You're, Twitter, and LinkedIn. There you go. Both. That, those, three. those three. Kowal, K-O-W-A-L, thekowalway.com. Locations in Waukesha, Port Washington, Wisconsin, Phoenix, Arizona, and in Racine. Also, Monday through Friday, the market reports done by Marie and all the fantastic... Too many on your staff, I can't read. I'll forget a name. Uh, but you hear Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. news, 5 p.m. news. And Marie, you guys update us with the news of the day, which lately has been on volatile markets. Yeah, there's been some great days and there's been some, you know, not so great days. Ended but that's good. why you should check it out. Listen, we give you the updates on what's going on and how it impacts you. Yep. Yeah. And that you do and you do a great job. So we are starting out with six mistakes, Marie, that I can make when I choose a financial advisor. Yes. While choosing a financial advisor. And um, the first thing I wanted to go through was a couple studies. So um, this is found on Smart Asset, this article. So choosing a financial advisor is a major life decision, and it can determine your financial trajectory for years to come. So a study by Northwestern Mutual found that 71% of U.S. adults admit their financial planning needs improvement. However, only 29% of Americans work with a financial advisor. I I found that stat to be pretty absurd, especially followed by the next study. So it says a recent Vanguard study found that an average on average a hypothetical 500,000 investment would grow to over 3.4 million under the care of an advisor over a 25 year time period. If you use that same 500,000 investment but you self-managed over the same 25 year time period, it was estimated to be valued at 1.69 million. So it's 50% less if you managed on your own versus managing with an advisor. That's like, fairly significant over a lifetime. I would say yes. It's a lot and of money. I, yeah. If I'm retiring, I'd rather be in a situation where I have $3.4 million than $1.6 million. Um, so over an annualized period, if a managed portfolio with an advisor, you're looking at about 8% annualized growth over that 25 time 
or a 25 year time period compared to the 5% from a self-managed portfolio. Yeah. That, I mean, that can really change your retirement too. that amount of money. Yes. Really change retirement. Um, so going on through it, it says, so it talks about all the different, um, mistakes you can make when choosing an advisor. The first one is hiring an advisor who's not fiduciary. That's the most important and number one aspect of it. And when we think about a fiduciary, I have um, the definition. It's a person or organization that acts on behalf of another person or persons, putting their client's interest and needs ahead of their own, with a duty to preserve good faith and trust. And I thought that was a very important point. It's not just at that time putting our client's interest first um, ahead of our own. It's all throughout the duration of that relationship. Yeah. When you search, Jeff, you can chime in too, but when you're searching for a financial advisor, maybe your first time looking at an advisor, there's a trust issue, right? You want to get along with the advisor, but you also want to make sure that trust and that term fiduciary is tossed around a lot. Do we yes. really know what it means? Right? Yes. Well, you guys do. Well, but- now we do. <laughs> we do so it, I just shared that with you. And we put it in writing as well. Yes. Oh. And that's the important thing. And then also, um, you know, when we think of advisors, it's not just the investments alone. I mean, that is one great reason, like I pointed out, to work with us. But it's also making sure you have all of the financial planning as well as the investment side of it. So making sure your advisor is a fiduciary is most important. Again, having it in writing, like Jeff said, which we do, is number one. Number two is choosing an advisor with the wrong specialty. So this one I think is really important when it comes to retirement planning, Um, because if you think about it and you're looking for a retirement specialist to help you plan for retirement, you don't want to work with an advisor whose specialty is working with young families. Their needs are different than those getting close to or in retirement. And one thing I will say, so we specialize in retirement planning, like we've mentioned, but our whole team speaks the retirement language, which is unique and complicated. <laughs> so when it comes to retirement, there's lots of acronyms that are always thrown around. Oh right? my goodness. Yeah. I can list probably 10 off right at the top of my head, but specifically RMDs. So your required minimum distributions, understanding when to take, how to take, what tax implications there are. There's also other topics like social security planning. So that's a huge topic that Unless you're doing it day in and day out, most likely you won't know right. all the different strategies. We know we're going to get Social Security. When do you start taking it? Timing is critical. The longer you wait, the more you end up yep. getting on a monthly basis. Yeah, and you might need to keep in mind, do I need to delay to have a bigger Social Security for XYZ reason, right, in retirement? And also making sure that you and your spouse are on the same page of Social Security strategy. Sometimes people want to take it immediately when they retire. Mm-hmm. Some people want to wait until it gets bigger. So We certainly have learned, Marie, though, we can't rely on Social Security. It's supplemental, right? I mean, Correct. it's going to help us with our, our monthly costs and our needs at the cost of living. Certainly, that alone is not going to be enough. Correct. Living off of that would not necessarily be enough. Also, one and I don't want to interrupt your six mistakes because we're only on number two. 20 years ago, when this show started, a little over 20 years, we hit our anniversary September of last year. Right. You said, Jeff, I remember you saying right away, because I asked you, Social Security, a lot of people think it's going to be gone. I hear it from my friends. It'll be gone by the time I retire. Well, for many of my friends, that's like in five, six years, right? And you said right away, no, it it's not. 
Well, it's continually funded, and that's the difference. It's not an entitlement. Uh, and Carol Richardson, when she's on the show, con- continually t- tells us that, that there is still money going into that system. So when you, and I was talking with a client this week, he feels guilty about taking it. Don't feel guilty. You've put money into it. Feel all these guilty? Days. Well, just because it's, it feels like an entitlement. Oh, I see. What, yeah, but so, he was paying in his whole life. Has been, yeah, absolutely. So you've pay, you've put your money in. It. It's not like some of the other entitlement programs that are true entitlements. Save your, you, your pay stubs your che- from your check, yeah. and then look at those, and then you won't feel so guilty. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to last. It's just such a popular program that it's a political hot hot potato. Nobody's going to, you know, they'll do whatever they can to extend it, um, you know, to fund it, yep. to change it as needed. So, uh, so the- when you when you guys do the retirement plan with your clients, you look at that and you you count that in, you factor it in. Yes, we do factor it in as income. But again, the key is like you mentioned before, not relying on it as your only source of income for retirement. Um, the third um, mistake you can make is picking an advisor with an incompatible strategy. And I thought that was an interesting one. Um, and breathing further into it, it's essentially what I would think of an incompatible strategy is if I'm looking for financial planning. So we've talked about topics that need financial planning, your Social Security strategies, your retirement income distribution, tax planning, helping with tax strategies while you're in retirement. Um and you need all of those things as you plan for retirement. But if you start working with an advisor who only focuses on investments and investment planning, and that's it. They don't speak all the other languages in regards to, like I mentioned, Social Security, all those things. Yep. That's incompatible. Your needs aren't being met by the advisor you've picked. Yeah. So making sure you work with an advisor that has a compatible strategy with what you're looking to get out of. You know what I, and we're halfway through the list, so I'll... I'm not. I'm not going to talk much here, but and I'll shut up here, Marie. But I, I noticed a few things you said that you guys. You know, there's different advisors for age groups. So if you're 23, 24, starting a family, just in, um, th- that's a, a different advisor than what you guys do, where you focus on retirement. Yes, our specialty, our niche is retirement planning, and I, again, I to say the same thing. But our whole t- team speaks that language. And that really is, like I said, is important because there are such unique and complex um, things that happen while you're in retirement and while you're preparing for retirement. Yeah. And that's exciting time of your life. It is. Getting ready to retire, looking at your nest egg. Hopefully it's getting larger and larger. Exciting and nerve wracking. I mean, that too. we meet with a lot of people that it's hard. It's definitely a transition and I don't know what it feels like, but I think it would be exciting. You will, but I can imagine. You will it's someday, scary. Marie. Yeah. Uh, these are from Smart Asset. That's your source. Six mistakes you can make when choosing a financial advisor. Number four. Number four, not asking about credentials. So um, there are different credentials that you can receive in the financial planning world or financial advice world, and then different exams and tests that you can take. So the CFP is one, the Certified Financial Planner. Um, Another acronym. Yes. (laughs) So the CFP is a designation for uh, financial planners. It's one of the highly sought after. And essentially, it's a standard of excellence in the financial planning world. So CFP professionals meet rigorous education, training, ethical standards, um, and they're committed to serving their clients' best interests. So they do have a fiduciary layer already built into the designation. And then their goal is to help prepare their clients today, so help with their best interests today to prepare them for a secure future um, tomorrow. 
You've got CFP, Certified Financial Planner, yep. right? You've got Accredited Estate Planner, AEP. There's yes. all these And acronyms. you have the CHFC. Chartered Financial Consultant. Yes, which is another layer of um, highly sought after financial planning. Chartered um, Life Underwriter, CLU. Yes. I'm reading from the Koal Way website. This right. all applies to what you guys are, Jeff. Yeah, and what I think Marie is saying, and I know what she's saying, is that uh, look for people who are credentialized, that they, they take their education seriously on your behalf so that you don't have to. You want to know that the person that you're working with uh, takes their education, takes their continuing education seriously as well, that you keep up to date with what the changes are in retirement planning. And all of this does, it speaks to experience, but also, I need to mention this, uh, the Kowal Investment Group is part of the Financial Times Top 400 Advisors, the Barron's Top Financial Advisor list going way back to 2014, consecutive years. Jeff, you're on the Forbes list of best in-state wealth advisors, two years running, so kudos to you, Aaron Kowal, Forbes list of Top 500 Next Generation Wealth Advisors. This all speaks very highly of the experience, of course, at the Koal Investment Group. Yes, and that ties in perfectly to my next one. Oh. So not hiring a vetted advisor. And you spoke, <laughs> you know, you just said all the things I was going to mention, but having an advisor that has been vetted, that's recognized for the work they do in their community and throughout the nation, I think is really, really important, right? They have a presence, they're well-known, you know that they know what they're talking about with mm-hmm. those designations and with the vetting process. Um, my final one is not understanding. So a mistake you can make is not understanding how your financial advisor is paid. So there's a few different ways um, advisors make money. One's uh, charging a fee for assets you manage. And that's how we operate our business, charge a fee for assets that we manage. The other is commissions. So you're paid a commission or an advisor, I should say, is paid a commission for selling um, a certain type of product. And that could lead to a conflict of interest because some products may pay more than other products. Um, And so typically that's not going to be fiduciary aligned, right? That'll be where it's suitable at this time of sale and could it be suitable for you three years from now? I'm not sure. Right. right that's where you, I think you want to look for a fiduciary, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, that, understanding that is important. That was a great list again from Smart Asset. Six mistakes you can make or six things, I guess, Jeff, that you want to avoid, right? You don't want to make a mistake in finding a financial advisor. Sometimes it's visceral. You just have a, a good feeling about some guy, but you also have to vet them. And make sure that they know what they're doing. We're looking at a lifelong relationship. So not only at the time you to retire, but for the next 25 or 30 years beyond that. So a lot of our clients come to us when they're 50 and 55 looking to uh, begin the process working with us at that time, transitioning into retirement or leaving work. Some don't like the word retirement. Leaving work, transitioning to the next phase. And then, again, preserving it, growing it, your assets, taking income from it, and passing it on to your heirs. That's all important in that process. Is that true? Some people don't like to say they're retired, the R word. Maybe yeah. it makes them sound old yes. or something. Yeah, they just have Some a difficult time. And that makes sense. We have a number of clients that feel that way. Um, not that they feel old, but that they have to make a decision that's like the end of something, beginning of something that, else. That's and true. Why it would, it's an easier transition of doing something different rather than retiring. You're just changing your focus. And I think retirement back in 1950 was different than 2022, right? I think so. Yes. So, and a lot of clients still work. I mean, I can't, I have multiple clients in their 70s that are still working. 
Jeff too. <laughs> oh, both, I saw the smiles coming out of your, both of your faces. But I think that's important. It, it does look different, right? You continue to still do what you love. Yep. And yes, you're in retirement for some of our clients that are working past their 70s. Maybe they only work a couple hours a week, but they're still doing what they love and at the same time still need to plan for the ultimate retirement. When oh, it yeah. Work. It's hard to sit still, I think, and just sit back and do nothing. You know, just like that, right? The day comes, it's my last day. I walk out of my office with my box and I go home and I'm retired. Yeah, I don't think people really do that. Sad, it, it does. I think people <laughs> want to stay busy. Yes, and have some type sort of purpose, right? Maybe find something else that is a passion or they can provide their services and their expertise somewhere else. Good stuff. Marie McFarland, Jeff Kowal here in WISN. In fact, Aaron Kowal joining us with the Boss Minute coming up shortly after the first break here. That is for business owners, savings, and security. Along those lines, Jeff, you work with a lot of business owners, and that's what we'll get to in the Boss Minute, that uh, some might struggle with a retirement plan because every penny they have is poured back into their business. For a lot of them, a lot of them rely only on their business as their sole source of uh, wealth and assets in retirement. Um, it's good to be diversified now, and I think Aaron's going to talk with that, about that in the boss minute. I wanted to talk before we go to the break about, uh, this is a Barron's article I thought was pretty good, three things 401k millionaires should consider before retiring early. Uh, according to Fidelity Investments, record number of 401k millionaires were minted during the pandemic, tempting, making retirement tempting, but market volatility offers a lesson. Fidelity Investments reported a record 760,300 401k and individual retirement accounts with over a million dollars at the end of 2021. 760,000. Wow. Uh, with the Man. influx of wealth may stir dreams of uh, early retirement, one of the sticking points is whether you can access your money without being penalized. That's a, a, an important point, especially if you're retiring at 52, at 55, thinks, you know, I've got $2 million, $3 million. Is that going to be enough? you got to be careful with that. Some things to consider. A million-dollar nest egg may not be enough. For those planning to retire at 65, let alone before that, a million-dollar portfolio, portfolio may be too little to cover retirement for 30 years or more. Um, you have to, she uses 25 times rule, basically. It says if you have a million dollars at 4%, you could take out... 4%, 25 times 4% is 100%. So anyway, they say a 25-year rule. So if you need, so a million dollars would generate $40,000 $40, a year of income. Let's flip it around. Let's call it the 4% rule. Yeah, we hear about the 4% yes. rule enough. So she talks about, the, the author of this talks about the 25 times what you need in income. So if you need $40,000 a year of income, 25 times that is a million dollars. You have to have a million dollars. Let's use so, 4%. But is a million dollars enough to retire on? Is right. 40 grand enough for you? right. Uh, and if you add in Social Security, now if you add both, and a lot of them, especially if you're retiring early, won't come in, put into play until at least age 62. So you have to be careful with that. Especially tapping retirement accounts early can be a challenge. In general, if you pull money out before you're age 59 and a half, there's a 10% federal penalty and a 3.33% state penalty. So right on top, right at the beginning, you're taking off 13%. Plus, if you're in a 30% tax bracket, you're, off, you're taking 40% out. Out of every dime you take out of the retirement plan, if you're behind age, 
before age 59 and a half. Now, there's a rule of 55 for 401k plans. There's 72T, which is another acronym as a way to get money out of retirement plans before you're 59 and a half without a penalty. You just have to be aware of that. But and do you what, want to be taking money out of that 401k that early? You'd like not to. Right. It all depends on your lifestyle. But what Marie was talking about, all the different acronyms, when you specialize in retirement planning, you have to talk about taxes, estate planning, uh, wills and trusts, long-term care, uh, penalties, you know, the, the tax law with regard to penalties before you're 59 and a half, required minimum distributions after. There are so many things you have to, that's I, why this is a sweet spot of what we do. It, it is, Jeff, and with regards to 401k plans, you can even borrow from it, right? It's your money, you can borrow. You've got to pay it back, though. Well, the problem is if you plan on retiring, you can't borrow. Typically, your borrowing privileges stop at that point. So I mean, when, when you retire. When you retire, yeah. so you don't have the option of taking uh, borrowing money from it. Because you're remember take- when I asked you about my outdoor kitchen? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> this was years ago, and I asked Jeff about borrowing from my 401k, and he goes, mm, you know, it's kind of case-by-case basis. Yeah. We did. Yeah, we did, and, and I think, just, just a little bit, you know, to get things going. Yeah, you weren't. Uh, it's uh, you know, if you're taking money out of your 401k to pay off credit cards, that's not a good use of the money. No, if you're doing it to do an outdoor kitchen or something like that, and it may make sense to, to do it. It they added pre- value to the house, absolutely, and I use it all the time. And you pay it back. You had enough time to pay it we back. We paid it back. Yeah, that's the key, right? To be able to pay it back, and then your income, you're still working, so you have income coming in. It comes out of your paycheck, and you have time to pay it back to yourself before you retire and it can still grow. I remember when a million dollars was, oh my God, that's plenty to retire on, right? You add Social Security, that's a is it? Now you look at $2 million, $5 million, $10 million, and is that enough to support the lifestyle that you want in retirement? It really does if depend you look, on your lifestyle, Jeff. Yes, if it you're does. looking at... You know, living in a lake here, having a place in Florida or Arizona or somewhere else, and maintaining that lifestyle, still taking income out, you got to be careful that you know you may need ten million dollars to support that type of lifestyle. A couple more things before we go to break, Paul. And this is one thing that Maria is especially good at. Market declines, market declines, early in your retirement can be particularly harmful. Uh, potentially reducing the longevity of your portfolio. And this is a cash flow analysis that Marie does that she's very good at. And she looks at what's called bad timing scenario. Everybody thinks that as soon as they retire, that day the market's going to crash. And we're going to have a replication of 2008 and 2009 as soon as they retire. The market, quote, unquote, is just waiting for them to retire. And Marie does a, uh, a bad timing scenario. So if you have if you plan to take so much out in retirement, as soon as you leave the market drops, do you have to change your plan? You can go ahead with the assurance that you're still going to be in pretty good shape. Um, again, a problem act for 401k millionaires are stocks are overrepresented in a, re, in a portfolio. What we also look at is that you could, if we joke, you could screw up and live a long time. What happens if you live 30 or 40 years in retirement? What you if have you to live make, to be 100? And then you have to make sure that you still have money left for that. If you're retired age, just say 62. Wow. 38, 38 years, years of life left. You could potentially be spending more time in retirement than you did working. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Aren't babies born today? Some experts, some say they're going to be living till 100. 120. Wow. 120 we're hearing. Think of that, Jeff. Yeah. That's a long time. In other words, you have two choices. Have a lot of money to retire or work longer. Yes. Work well in your yes. 60s or 70s. 
People are doing that. And, uh, again, sometimes because they want to, sometimes because they have to. They have to. Yeah, you might retire and realize, i got to go back to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, good stuff, both of you. Marie, great segment. Jeff, we'll come right back. We've got Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute. Around the corner, looking ahead, later in the show, the sexy segment. It's about wealth management and preservation. You can call the Cowell Investment Group. Here's their number, 262-522-4040. Log on to the Kowal Way or visit one of their many locations, Waukesha, Port Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, Racine, Wisconsin. This is the Retirement Clinic on WISN. Jeff Kowal, Marie McFarland. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Keeping your family business in the family successfully and according to your wishes takes smart, proactive planning. However, many family business owners are more focused on the daily running of their companies rather than the planning of their succession. Effective succession planning is often essential to sustaining a family-owned and operated business into the future. Failure to effectively transition the company can have significant consequences such as family conflicts, legal battles, bad publicity for family members and the business, higher tax burdens, and possible demise of the company. There are three main aspects to family business succession. First, a capable family business successor who can take over the company and run it well. Family harmony, a sense of balance within the family so that the personal entanglements do not derail the company. And last, wealth planning, a wealth plan that transfers ownership of the family business to the successors in a way that works best for the family and the business. If any of these aspects are out of sync, there will be increased pressures on the family business successors and increased risk for the company. To get started on your succession plan, you'll want to enlist the help of industry professionals who can help guide you and your family through the process. A team of experts will be able to help navigate the many issues and nuances of family business succession planning, as well as provide industry insights. Keep in mind that succession planning is not a set-it-and-forget-it step. It is a process that happens over time, with modifications and tweaks along the way. If you need assistance in building a succession plan for your family business, give our office a call at 262-522-4040, or visit us at thekowalway.com. Aaron Kowal, today's Boss Minute with the Kowal Investment Group. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic. That's for business owners, their savings and security. As Aaron always says, it's all—it's about owning your retirement, not just your business. And Marie McFarlane and Jeff Kowal are talking about retirement today. This next segment on the Retirement Clinic, Marie, is about expenses that you will occur during retirement. Yes. So they're kind of, I would say, some surprise expenses, things you just don't think about. And the one that came up the most, um, so Paul, I'm going to ask you, Yes. what do you think is <laughs> the most, um, the biggest surprise expense while you're in retirement? Ooh, su- oh, surprise is different than just expense. Surprise? Uh, a like hel- they, a maybe, health issue. A health issue. Okay. Yep. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> I told you, every time I'm quizzed on the show, Joe still does this. The she doesn't embarrass you, but it gives yeah. you the buzzer. It's like... She's wearing this but, pretty pink shirt, like she said, too. Pretty and pink, and she's just <laughs> all over us today. But actually, I'm not going to lie, I would have said the same thing. So this one, was, yeah. this surprised me. So it was hidden housing costs. 
Hmm. Um, so they found recently nearly 80% of those age 65 or older own their own homes. And so according to the Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University, a lot of people overlook the fact that even though they own their home, they have no mortgage, that they don't estimate there will be housing costs along the way. Oh, a lot of maintenance Yes, with In, homes, right? Yes. The yard, everything. And I do find that when we work with clients, it is a common thing where they're like, well, my house is paid off, so no expense when it comes to housing expenses. And I'm like, well, you still have property taxes and all those good things Mm -hmm. that go along with it. Um, So research from the Society of Actuaries found that unanticipated home repairs are retirees' single most common financial surprise. So something they just weren't aware of. I would have never guessed that. Neither. Generally, when you think about growing old, Jeff, not just retirement, but later in life, you might think... We're not going to be living in this house. We'll be somewhere else. Maybe a condo in Florida, something like that. I, last hour, Bob in the real estate show said a lot of folks are they want to stay in their house. Absolutely, yeah. And that ties in perfectly. So they say a good rule of thumb is to budget one percent of your home's total value for annual repairs and maintenance, which I thought that was a pretty big number. Um, but if you remain in your house long term, you do also want to factor in potential costs. This is a perfect segue to that. Is Wheelchair access, if you do decide to stay in your house, um, disability-related alterations to the home as well. Like grab bars in the shower. Aging in place is what remodeling people call it. Yes. And then the door to the bathtub, I know that's a common one. Yeah, we Um, talked about that today in the remodeling show. So you don't step over. Yeah. Yeah. that's a, if you want to stay in your house, and you're going that. to be 80. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so easy. We have you. that. We built our house about four or five years ago, and we have that where you could just walk right in. That's so and, nice. But you know what? That, that the millennials and those generations are mad at us because we're not supposed to be staying in our house too long now. Right. So we have things like this. That's why we're the baby boomers own, I think, 45% of the real estate. They're saying... They're supposed to be going to nursing homes. They're supposed to be going to assisted living, not staying in their houses. Well, you're hitting right, a, a shortage. You're hitting on right. a great point because of the housing shortage. Yep. The, yeah, there's totally a lack of inventory right now. It's a seller's market. So guys uh, like you, it's because they're staying in their house too long. We, Thirty-five-year-olds, Kowals, will you sell your house already? <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're not going anywhere. You know what? Take and that's, that. That's your right. That's your house. Yes. yes. And I think that's the one of the other surprises was long-term care costs. Um, but that gave a perfect, so having those costs, but also the costs are reduced somewhat because a lot of people think of nursing homes like, oh, I'm going to have to pay for a nursing home, but majority of people are going to use home health care. So they'll stay in their home longer and have yeah, some, especially after them. what's been happening in nursing homes over the last couple of years. Yes. So the U S department of health and human services, I know I've said this stat before, but it always, It's so crazy to me. They estimate that close to 70% of today's 65-year-olds will require some kind of long-term care for an average of about three years, and the costs can be exorbitant. Oh, they can be so expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And and we're on at 65 is Medicare, right? That's what we can. Yes. Okay, but even with Medicare. Correct. And that's a great thing to point out because a lot of times we'll talk in healthcare expenses, well, Medicare will cover all of that, and that's not correct, right? Medicare Part A will cover hospital stays. Part B covers doctor visits. But most other expenses, so services you might assume that are routine, like your dental, uh, your ears, your hearing, and vision care, and co-pays and prescription jugs are usually covered through supplemental plans. Yeah. And that costs so, extra. So, yeah. yeah. Part Isn't Part D for prescriptions? Yes. Yeah. 
That, it's confusing. Medicare confuses me. So an average budget, um, you can expect between four fifty and eight fifty per month for healthcare costs, and that includes plan premiums and out of pocket costs. Well, there's two of you. You're talking about could be about fifteen hundred a month. Yeah, which is uh, a that's lot. an average, but that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a lot. Another. Any so, more quiz questions for me? Um, Do you want to put me on the spot? Any other surprise expenses you could think of? Uh, I started with health care. That was wrong. Um, your home is generally paid for. No. Losing <laughs> a spouse. Oh, the death oh. of a spouse. Yeah. That was a surprise one, too. That I oh, I got one for you. Jeff has talked about this. The gray divorce, it's called. Getting yes. divorced. Yep. It's kind of sad to talk about. That could be getting, a little pricey. That would be really pricey. Mm-hmm. So you're getting divorced in your 60s or 70s, which really goes against what our society thinks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you only get divorced when you're younger. No, you can get divorced when you're older. Yep. And then splitting up all the assets mm. dependent on where you live. Typically, when you're at a time in your life where you have more assets. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then you've planned for retirement with two combined incomes, married filing jointly, tax status, right. and all of those things change. It can definitely change a retirement plan. But hasn't the divorce rate gone up with the... Uh, Boomers, <laughs> I just a lot of times that's on a second more second marriage. Yeah, that uh, they're not staying married as long in the second marriage. In the second marriage, yeah, interesting stuff. But losing a spouse is um, it can affect a financial retirement plan. This is one thing I do like to plan with all of our clients, and we do a great job as this making sure that you're financially prepared if anything were to happen to your significant other, um, because majority of the time it's females that lose their husbands sooner. Yes, you outlive us. Yes. Um, And they can experience a 50% decrease in their income. That's a big deal. Uh, Typically, your expenses don't go down too much, except the grocery bill. (laughs) She's smiling that the (laughs) husband goes first. (laughs) I hope Josh isn't listening. (laughs) But that's another area that we help with. Um, Planning life insurance is an important part of that. Talking about your pension. Do you have a survivorship to the pension? That could be a pretty big deal if the, if the spouse that passes doesn't have a survivorship and the pension goes away. That's huge. can affect a plan. Also stresses the need for the spouse to be aware of all the finances, right? Shouldn't yes. both... Jeff, you've talked about this. Make sure that, okay, maybe all of our lives... My wife did all of our financial planning, the taxes, paid the bills, and she knows all those account numbers, the passwords. Shouldn't both know and be aware? Be aware... We, ha- we encourage the spouses. Unfortunately, most of the time, I would say better than 90% of the time, spouses come along. So even if they don't know anything, they at least know to work with us. And they feel comfortable with us. So if one spouse, especially the one that's been doing the planning all the while, passes away, the surviving spouse at least knows that they can come to us, that we care about them, we love them, and we care about their success in retirement as a single and now instead of as part of a partner. Good stuff. Marie, did we finish your list? We have the sexy segment coming up. Good stuff today. Good information kind of makes you think, makes you plan. It's all about planning. Working with the Kowal Investment Group, you can reach out by going to thekowalway.com or call 262-522-4040. Jeff Kowal is here. Marie McFarland, the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist, and the sexy segment right around the corner. Stay tuned. This is WISN.
The sexy segment is here. Wealth management and preservation as we continue the retirement clinic with the Kowal Investment Group, Jeff Kowal and Marie McFarland. Jeff, I think you got this one. I do. This show is for everybody. This particular segment is for those with a million dollars or more. Once you've accumulated some wealth, how do you preserve it, grow it, take income from it, and pass it on to your heirs? A uh, certain set of problems that you have once you've accumulated some wealth. So this segment is dedicated to that. This is one that you always like, Paul, because this was from uh, Moneyline, MarketWatch, MarketWatch. Grandma recently passed away, leaving behind a seven-figure estate, multi-million. Needless to say, things are getting messy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you like those horror stories. Love them. Uh, relative, I think we can learn from him, Jeff. I think so, too. Re- recent relatively passed away, leaving behind a big estate. Needless to say, things are getting messy. When Grandma passed away, as expected by all for the trust to be executed by my aunt for many years. She's the executor. Trust, uh, until she recently developed a medical condition that affected her cognitive ability. As such, the successor trustee was switched to my uncle, who believed by the grantor to be competent in executing the trust. The problem is uncle is, is impulsive, doesn't believe in working with lawyers, thinks he knows what he is doing, yet hasn't requested a certificate of trust or even notified the bank of the grantor's death. So he hasn't done anything yet. He's in the, the person who wrote in says, I'm not a beneficiary. I have no vested interest. However, however, I feel stuck as I don't know what I can do to ensure proper execution of trust. The uncle wants to do things his way. Basically, here's the rub, Paul. He thinks that his family's getting stiffed. So now that he's the uh, executor, he wants to change things in the trust that's already been executed. You can't, you can't do that. He can't do that. But he thinks that because he's a trustee, he can do everything, anything he wants. He's the executor. Uh, he's the wife of the aunt whom everybody loved. He's kind of a jerk that nobody likes. But so the aunt is gone. The aunt is not cognitive. So she's... Oh, she's with us, but not with it. With not us, with it, not yeah. Con- yeah. And, it. and towards the end of grandma's life, uh, they decide to take money away from the uncle and that. And so he's mad. So it says, he says, you know, do I speak up? Do I worry about people not talking to me because I'm creating a problem in the family and saying he's being a jerk about it. So that's the, the premise of it. How's that? <laughs> I love the horror stories. I don't like seeing families getting in financial disputes. Right. right. But to be honest, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, it happens all the time. It happens all when even there's 10 cents involved. It doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar estate. People get goofy about money. And uh, the, the, the author of this says, don't worry about people not speaking to you if your intention is to do the right thing. If what you say is accurate and or true, the uncle would not make the most reliable or trustworthy of friends. If the probate court has reason to believe the trustee is mishandling the estate, it can remove the probate court, can remove the uncle from his position and replace him with somebody else. If you are not a beneficiary or co-trustee, you likely won't have the power to petition it's you know the it's called standing where you can't remove the uncle just because you don't like what he's doing you're not a beneficiary you have right. nothing to say about nothing it. nothing to say at all isn't this why we have a trust though to to prevent this from yeah, yes. happening but some assets still go through probate even with that and it has to be sorted out uh like that's why you got to get a good competent attorney that works with estate planning all the time independent of the firm that you're working with for investments and that, that's very important. Uh, somebody who's independent of that firm. Yeah, we've had, over the years, many estate planning attorneys on your show. That's right. That you work with and refer to, and right? And they know what they're doing. They do it every day. In, inside, They know it inside and out. They're not 
you know, we, we joked, you know, doing uh, chasing ambulances by day and doing estate planning by night. No, these are guys that do it all the time, independent of our firm. They're trusted partners of ours. Um, anyway, the probate court will likely have the power to replace them. Uh, trust, trustees can be removed for the following reasons, self-dealing or stealing trust property, violations of terms, which this might be, hostility between the trustee and beneficiaries. This guy has nothing to say about it. He's not a beneficiary. Mismanagement of trust assets, charging excessive fees, incapacity or insolvency, failure to make accounting or report as required or requested by the beneficiaries. And they, the, whoever tries to get them removed must have clear evidence showing the court that the trustees violated the terms of a trust agreement or their fiduciary duty, working out in the best interest of the beneficiaries. The court will conduct depositions, issuing subpoenas for records and receiving accounting records from the trustees. The beneficiaries typically have a vote on the removal of a trustee based on the facts and can do so based on the majority or unanimous decision. So you can get a trustee removed if you think that they're not acting in your best interest. There's a process that you go through. It's possible uh, to do it. And, uh, you know, it's a tough job being the trustee, being executor. But if it's blatant like this, you have to do something. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to see families squabble. That's right. But they do. It's part of life. Uh, we'll be back. Good segment. Good sexy segment. Great show. Marie McFarland, Jeff Kowal. We're not done yet. The Retirement Clinic will be right back on WISN. I do believe we have played Foo Fighters the entire show, right? The yep. death of drummer Taylor Hawkins at age 50 yesterday. Very sad news. And just a fantastic band. Uh, we had a great show today. We thank Marie McFarlane and Jeff Kowal. As we wrap up, Marie, any questions about retirement? Easy to reach out to you guys. Yeah, there are lots of ways to reach out. So first, I want to share the com, our website. It's new. It's got a new look. So if you haven't checked it out, go to it, thecowalway.com. You'll see lots of cool videos and pictures of our office. Also, if you have 750000 in assets or more and are near retirement or are not happy with the performance of your retirement accounts, call us for a free consultation at 262-522-4040. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. Market updates that you yourself do? Yes, every, every day, every day, 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. news blocks. Yeah, right during the middle of the Mark Belling show. I know because I produced that show, <laughs> so I'm a part of that production. I also see your pretty picture on the front page. You are featured on thecowalway.com. It is. You can check that out. There you go. <laughs> uh, Jeff, always a pleasure having you guys in studio, especially for a live show. I love it. Um, and we're back live again next week. Absolutely, yeah. Have a great thanks. weekend. Yeah, thanks for listeners. Thanks for listeners, and thank you, Paul. TheKowalWay.com. The Retirement Clinic is live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Stay tuned for news and your weekend Fox 6 forecast. Up next on WISN.